Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Today's guest is Dave Hill. Before LeBron James, Dave was the original superstar from Cleveland to become King of Miami, conquering South Beach in his cable TV series of 2007. Since then, Dave has rocked hard for his band Valley Lodge, which performs the theme song for HBO's Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. He rocks the mic himself weekly for the goddamn Dave Hill Show on WFMU. And he's become BFFs with Dick Cavett thanks to his own talk show, The Dave Hill Explosion. He also hosts special shows at both The Met and at Union Hall in Brooklyn. The former is called Fancy Meeting You Here. The latter, Meet Me in the Bathroom and Tell Me All Your Secrets. So let's get to it. Dig up you a little picture of you and I engaged in a kiss. Yes. Oh, wow. This is high tech. The danger of headphones is that I, then I think I have a booming voice. Yeah. And then um, I hear it back and I'm like, no, it's not booming. And yet you're on a microphone all the time, Mr. Dave Hill. That's the irony of it all. <laughs> you think I would have developed some sort of speaking skills by now. Right. But I'm the guy you go to if, you don't, if you're not looking for speaking skills. I mean, I've always seen you on a microphone, whether it's the Dave Hill Explosion uh, doing... Uh, short vignettes for HBO or Cinemax, and sure. now on the goddamn Dave Hill show. Yes, you're always on the microphone. Are we potting it up already? I never know. I just keep talking, and hopefully something. I'm works. gonna. You know what? I'm gonna turn this. I'm gonna set this down for a minute because, okay. you know, it'll distract me from speaking. <laughs> yes, you should focus. Focus on speaking, and then you know. When the time comes for a little interlude, I can provide that as needed. So, Mr. Dave Hill, welcome to Last Sean. Things First. Thank you. So, Last Things First, when was the last time you visited Miami? Um, ooh. I have to say, I'm not sure if I've been back there since I shot the, the hit TV show <laughs> King of Miami. I've been back to Florida, okay. but I don't think I've been back to Miami. Wow. Um, yeah. I was, I'm surprised as the former King of Miami. I, I know. that. Well, you know, I conquered it. I, I um, you know, that was, I was just a, you know, a pretty young thing at the time, and, uh, and I don't think... Um, I appreciated the magnitude of what was happening. Was it because it was on a channel called Mojo? No, no. I was, you know, I wasn't on an obscure channel. But I think, <laughs> I, you know, I had just started really doing comedy at the time. I had only, oh. you know, I think we shot that, oh my gosh, nine years ago now. And it came out eight years ago. Right, it came out in tw tw two, 2007. 2007. And I had only been doing comedy for like a year and a half or maybe something like that. So you were living the dream but didn't know it? Exactly. I just thought, I mean, <laughs> what? I pretty much thought like, okay, yeah, I've been, I've been doing, uh, you know, Parkside Lounge and Rafifi for a year and a half. Yeah, it's about time I had my own TV show. I just, just didn't know. I just thought, yeah, that sounds about right. I've been... Uh, you know, going and doing shows. I should have a TV show by now. Sure, that's how it works. So I did that show, and uh, I wasn't even that worried about it. I was kind of like, well, cool, I'll do this, and uh, mm -hmm. this will be my first TV show, and then I'll just do another TV show after this. And, um, you know, I've done pilots and stuff since then that were like my show, but right. I've yet to storm the airwaves with my own show since mm -hmm. then, so... You know, which is which is me, not me complaining. It's uh, just you know I've done I've done fine. I've, You've done more than fine. I've done more than fine. But you know I I was so naive that I, I just thought like okay because I I mean 
I had never even, I didn't know anything about comedy when I went into, I mean, as I didn't know anything any more than a lay person would know. Because I had never even, I'd been to like one comedy show before I started doing it. And uh, what was that show that you went I to? I went to Sweet, actually. Okay. One Seth of the Herzog's very show. first ones. Or, or not one of the very, but one Sweet was, I mean, very early on. Right. Uh, I went to that and, uh, and then um, I ended up doing Tony Carnavali and Sean Taylor, if you know them, had a show at the Parkside Lounge um, on like Tuesday nights called Variety Underground. Okay. And I started doing that. And then there was a show on Wednesday called Ash Wednesday, and I started doing that. And... Um, and then sometime after that, I I started doing Nick Kroll's show. That was at Rafifi. At Rafifi, right? that he I think it was with Jesse Klein, and then it was with John Mulaney. And those are and then I was doing stuff at UCB, and those were really the only shows I ever did. And then I got this TV show. So how did the TV show come about? Um. I was making like videos on YouTube. Okay. As as everyone does. Yeah, no, I know. I remember. <laughs> I remember when you for the Dave Hill explosion. Yeah, it was talk just, show. You would play short videos. Yeah, basically, I was just making videos for that my show at ECB. Mm-hmm. And then, um, this is very show busy. It, despite my ignorance, then it all of a sudden gets very show busy. My agent was like, hey, I know this producer I represent, Elise Roth, you know, she has been talking to this network, Mojo, and they're looking to do t- some shows, some comedy shows. So she brought them to my UCB show, uh, The Dave Hill Explosion, and I guess they had watched some videos on YouTube or whatever. And uh, I remember, like, after the show, we would always go to Half King over on 23rd and, and 10th. 10th. And uh, so they all came out to the bar. And they were so they were like, yeah, we wanted to do a TV show with you. And I was kind of like, okay, yeah, that sounds cool. Uh, I'm going to go drink with my friends now. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> like, I was just like, well, all right, cool, yeah, all right, let's talk later. Yeah, sure. And, um, all right. And then, because I was just like, who is this guy saying he wants to give me a TV show? And uh, and then we went with them, and, you know, we just, and it all kind of happened very quickly. And so you came up, how did you come up with the idea to conquer <clears throat> Miami? Sort of the idea was... Was it like LeBron James, but just it was, you were ahead of his time? I can't remember. I think LeBron James was kind of, that was just... After. Happening. It was King s- King David and then King James. Yeah. Oh. I mean, but what happened was, well, I think we had talked about, you know, because a lot of my videos and just in general mm-hmm. sort of play this sort of uh, worldly doofus, I guess. <laughs> like, a, and... Um, and so, you know, initially the idea was kind of like do a different city every episode. And then Elise had just been to Miami. And so she was like, well, there's enough ridiculous stuff in Miami, which there is and was, right. was and is, to just do the show there okay. for the whole time. So we, that's what we did. And then the idea was season two will be king of whatever. Right. And um, as history has shown us. There was no season mm. two, but the show is, you can still watch it on Hulu. And, yeah. you know, looking back on it, you know, um, it could have been better, but I think there's some nice moments. It's, okay. you know, I'm proud of right. it. Right. But you weren't thinking of, even back then, you weren't thinking of a career in TV. You uh, weren't thinking, what What was the... I'm still not. No, <laughs> I don't know. What was, what was the dream for you initially? Was it, was it NHL hockey player? Yeah, well, yeah. I know you played hockey. I did, yeah. I mean, probably when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a rocker. Okay. You know, and I still do. Um, well, you No, are. I mean, I do. I rock out. Um, I always rock out. I can't stop rocking. Yeah. But, um, yeah, probably that and, you know, a, a visual artist. Because, I mean, that's sort of my first. 
my first love is drawing and okay. things like that. And I still do that stuff a lot, though not a lot of people know that about me, Sean. Oh, that okay. I'm a visual artist. I'm glad you let, you're letting me in. No, I don't. Even, I forgot to even mention it. I just kind of do it as it comes along. Like I design a lot of my own stuff, and you know, I drew the book cover to. I drew the illustration For on tasteful my nudes. hit book, Tasteful Nudes, and hopefully I'll do the next book cover. But I don't know. But and then I des- usually design whatever needs designing in the Dave Hill Empire. Okay. Um, and then. Um, so yeah, that stuff. And but I always wanted to rock out, and I started rocking out. I mean, probably when I was like very little, I was like always wanted to rock out. And uh, then I started rocking out, and then that was kind of the thing. Until you know, I was in my twenties, and then were you from, still were you still in Cleveland at that point? Or yeah, well, I went to Fordham in, okay. the, in the Bronx, and that's where I formed this band, Sons of Elvis, which is my first band. With the best slash worst name ever, because we ne- we didn't we didn't think that we would ever leave the practice room, you know. So we just had a silly name, like most friends do. When right, they... you weren't thinking long term. No, you we weren't were thinking, thinking like, that night. You, you weren't know? thinking web domain names and brand names. No, no, we didn't think any of that stuff. So Twitter we, handles. No, we didn't. That was just that a, was a glimmer in the eye of someone mm-hmm. I'd yet to meet. Um, but uh. So we've had that band, and then we got a record deal, like, right after college, which even that seemed like, oh, my God, uh, what's taking so long? You know, we were, you know, and we were really young, and we just thought, like, whoa, we should have a record contract by this, you know, because that was, like, a big thing. Mm -hmm. Now it's not really, but at the time it was kind of like, oh, got to get a record deal and um you know we thought oh if we don't have one by the time we're 19 or 20 we're uh what's what are we doing wrong and uh so we're idiots i mean that's sort of the lesson of life well, is you just look back and you go like oh my god i was such an idiot like right. i'll look back at now in a couple of years and be like oh my gosh what an idiot well i mean weeks from now i'll say that i i can only speak for for fellow creative artists but I think it might be true for all people that we're just impatient. Yeah. We want it now. Well, I think it, it's true. And I, and I think with comedy, I think, at least initially, I think why I was sort of lucky and was able to, to have a few things, you know, the mm-hmm. hit series, King of Miami, <laughs> happen and stuff quickly is because is I didn't give a shit. I don't want to say didn't give a shit because I always you know, try to do my best, you know, whatever I'm doing, but I didn't have aspirations, you know, I didn't, I wasn't like, I didn't grow up like, to, you know, I, I didn't, wasn't like hell bent on doing it, you know, my whole life, so you like didn't... I was rocking, you know, it was just kind of like comedy was when I started was very much like week to week, minute to minute. It was kind of like, oh, t- my friend Tony wants me to do his show on Tuesday. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I never didn't think past that. You didn't get uh, too wrapped up in it to have any anxiety or get nervous. No, I had zero anxiety about it. Now I have tons of anxiety about it. That's all. Al- that's always what they tell you to, for for auditions is the best way to to kill in an audition is to not care. Yeah, or to have fun, or to to uh, you know, yeah, not care, or just go in like like you're having fun, right? You know, and I think that's that's every. I mean. Yeah, like, I mean, sort of in the... I mean, now, like, you know, since... I mean, let's say since King of Miami, the hit series. I, <laughs> I need to preface it with the hit series. <laughs> the hit series, King of Miami. If there's anything I've learned in this life, if you just say something enough, people will start to be like, yeah, that's that was a very popular series. Right, it sinks in. It's, it just, it's it, a good talking point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like, what did you learn from your hit series? King from my hit series? Well, yeah, just just to well, no, I would say from, you know, yeah, I think with anything, just do do your best, have fun, mm-hmm. but don't get all wrapped up in the stakes of it. I mean, I think on the flip side of it, with music, you know, like when I was a teenager and in my early twenties, I like want, I was like, oh, gotta, the band's gotta happen, you know, right. And now, you know, it, you know, say in the last. 10 years I have not given a fuck about music really 
in in that way, like like wanting something to happen, mm-hmm. you know, where I was like, oh, this has, but I've done more in recent years than I ever did. Before. You know, I did some fun things, you know, when we had our first record deal, we you know had like some fun things happen, you know, had a video on MTV yeah. and kind of things that you want. You know, you're teenage, you're like, oh, this would be cool, that would be cool. Like a lot of the stuff that my buddy Tim and I aspired to, like when we were like in high school together, we were like, we're going to have a band and we're going to be on MTV and we're going to get free guitars and all this stuff. Like all that stuff happened, like the exact guitars Mm -hmm. we wanted. Okay. And uh, so kind of all that fun stuff. And you got on MTV and now you can hear yourself every Sunday night on HBO. Yeah, uh, well, there, there's a, this is a good example. So, um, so anyway, so like my current band, Valley Lodge. You know, we kind of just formed that band as just like, hey, we're all old and washed up, and uh, we, you know, some of the guys are married. All the guys in the band are married and have kids, except for me. And the, you know, the that's why you're the front man. That's why I'm the front man because I can uh, I can back it up, you know. <laughs> Uh, um, but we, it was just for fun. So, mm-hmm. but you know, with the band, we we toured Japan. We've we we were lucky enough to be uh, Robert's uh, Triumph the Insult Comic Dogs like house band at Bonnaroo oh, one year, nice. which was fun. Though weirdly bittersweet because we we're in the comedy tent, but I wasn't doing comedy, <laughs> and we we're at Bonnaroo, but in the comedy tent as a band. So it definitely messed with my head. Mm. Luxury problems. Right. Anyway, you slice it. But um, <laughs> but uh, so yeah. With then, so with this band, yeah. Like, you know, we, uh, we make records and have fun, and and we get to, you know, uh, yeah. Like our song is the theme song for the John Oliver show, which Last I think tonight, is yeah. maybe the best show on television right now. And uh, how did that come about? I literally just answered the phone. I mean, just lucky. <laughs> I mean, it's not that simple. I mean, obviously, you have to you know, have Dave Hill's phone number. You have to have my phone number and my email address. I got an email followed by a phone call before I had a chance to respond to the email. Okay. So it all happened very quickly, and you know, obviously, I'm, you know, from comedy and stuff, I'm friendly with John. So, but I don't really know how. I mean, Liz Stanton, who's the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, I don't know. I think that's her title. I don't know. But uh, the bo- one of the boss ladies there. She, uh, I've known her for years, and I actually did the music for a show called Reverb on okay. HBO years ago when I was living in Cleveland at my sister's house. And um, my, I mean, my basically my whole life is just <laughs> my friends are successful and nice, and they throw me a bone. So that's the pattern we're seeing here. But um, well, you have to be nice then too. I try to be I for them know. to want to throw you a bone. Hopefully, hopefully, I don't always succeed, but I try. And that's all you can ask. You okay. Know? But um, but what happened was uh, so I did that music, and then Eddie, our bass player, Eddie Eyeball, who's also in a band called Two Skinny Jays, which is a great band. He lives in Stytown. so you okay. see where the babies and all this are starting <laughs> to come in. So. <laughs> So you know, you know, Stite, the big apartment right. complex on 14th, I think it is. We're not far from there now. Yeah, we're just down the road. So, so he lives there, and somehow, they were doing sort of like, hey, we're gonna have some bands play out in the, whatever, at our my apartment complex, and they <laughs> want to have the band come and play, and that's perfect for us, you know, because we don't like to play at midnight. We love, we're like, what? You want us to play at three in the afternoon, and the kids can come. Sure. Perfect. So we did that, and um, and then it just turned out that Liz lived... This is my theory behind it. So Liz lives there, mm-hmm. and everyone that watched us... It was actually like a really a really great gig for us, because we were playing, you know, in the middle of the afternoon. The entire audience was children in between the ages of like two and four, I would say. And then their Your parents... Your target demographic. Target... But the, the interesting thing is, we played our hit songs. <laughs> we played all the hits, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, but the kids danced like crazy. And but then we played this one song, 
And all the kids stopped dancing, just stopped in their tracks and sat down and went to find their parents, just non-interested in this one song that we had been playing mm-hmm. pretty regularly at that point. And we nev- we've never played it again since that day because we were like, that is just... Uh, I mean, that's just primal. Two and four, two. Those kids that young right. are letting you know. They've spoken. Up. And they're just By like, their non-speaking. Nope. Yeah, they were just like, <laughs> Their nope. silence was deafening. We never played that song again. We've talked about it. Like, someone would be like, hey, should we play that one? I'm like, no, never again. <laughs> and uh, we kind of learned. And now we'll hear a selection of <laughs> Yeah, we, we can't. Let's cue it up. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was a decent song, but whatever. Um, and then, anyway, but Liz was there and saw us. And so I'm just guessing what happened was that between just knowing her and she knew how to band and we happened to play on her in her backyard one day, like when they were trying to think of who to, to have do the theme song, right. they were like, uh, hey, Dave's got a band. I'm, I'm, this is the conversation. <laughs> I'm, I've not gotten confirmation on any of this. Right. So, so this is... So they... Yeah, she just called happened. up and... and um, I was going to suggest the song Go that they used. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, yeah, we already cut the intro to the show with Go. And um, so that's great. I love it. <laughs> I wish the show were on every night. I would Someday. move to the woods and never return <laughs> um, because I would have more money. Right, the residuals on that. I mean, the residuals, I'm not complaining. Mm. They're, they're great. Um, and I hope the show's on for... I say primarily as a fan of right. the show, as a fan. John Oliver, I think, is just kicking so much ass with that. And I, it's I, a dynamite I w- show. I would say this even if I had not written a theme song and stood <laughs> to benefit financially. <laughs> I mean, I just think the objectively, show... The objectively, show is speaking. great. It's just bam, 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 bam. Right. Joke, joke, joke. And maybe the only comedy show ever to... Uh, affect change in the in the right. world, like directly, like he'll directly. do a story, and it's like, oh, they actually went after those guys. He talked about FIFA, and, and then suddenly <laughs> FIFA came down. All the executives. Yeah, he, I mean, he, it's pretty amazing. So, um, huge fan of the show, yeah. huge fan of John, and grateful that they're using our song. And um, and my only complaint, honestly, is that it's not on it every night. Yeah, because I n- need the money. <laughs> But it sounds like you probably haven't had to have too many day jobs in your life, ha- having a record deal right out of college. Well, I mean, that's sort of the illusion, oh. isn't it? Because, you know, what you think when you're... I have not had many day jobs, but I'll tell you why. I mean, I haven't had... I haven't Please, need, tell me why. I have... Because... Well, I haven't needed to in a, mm-hmm. in a long time, because, you know, I've just been uh, showbiz it up. Right. Since whatever, King the hit series, King, King of Miami. Miami. Let's say that. Uh, let's make that the starting point. Because I was bartending one night a week mm-hmm. until we shot that show. And Worst bartender the... ever. Oh. I mean, great fun to be around. Right. But not very good. My cousin, Kieran, who used to run a bar in Hell's Kitchen, he now runs Bowery Ballroom, if you're just the trivia, if you keep track. So... um we're both moving on up. Right. Anyway, so he he ran a bar, and, like, my sister, who was tired of me asking to borrow money, was mm-hmm. like, Kieran, will you please give Dave a job? So he was kind enough to give me a job on Sunday night at this bar. And uh, it, so that was probably the last that would have been. But then you had to go to Miami to shoot the and then, show. So, yeah, King I hit of Miami. The, I hit the, in 2006, I went to Miami to shoot the hit show King of Miami. <laughs> That's still on Hulu if you want to see it. So, but no, I mean, like, no, but being in a band, you know, with a record deal, like the mm-hmm. first band, like, that was like no real money. Even though we were on a pretty big label, um, it was no real money. We all lived with our parents and stuff. But, like, that was fine, you know, like, we kind of lived, sold t shirts and stuff. Mm-hmm. These were simpler times, you know, when you could actually, you know. But then it kind of was all over, and then I was painting houses. Okay. And uh, and then from there I dabbled in graphics, and then I dabbled in journalism. Came to New York for the weekend in 2003. 
and here I am, Sean. Was it the was it the dabbling in journalism that that prompted you to start the Dave Hill Explosion? Well, I think um, to do a talk I, show. What, I was playing. Was it a dream of becoming the next Dick Cavett? I think it was sort of a, yeah, to a twisted dream. Because I mean, that's one th- like my understanding of comedy and stuff. What my naive understanding of it growing up. You know, I, I mean, I I was a fan of tons of stuff. I just wasn't like, um, wasn't like something where like you know like I knew at seven that I wanted to play know how to play every Led Zeppelin song and stuff. And by the way, I do. What <laughs> you, what, what age were you when you when you learned all of the Led Zepp catalog? That probably didn't, I didn't really dig in until like thirteen with that. Okay, but um, so you weren't a prodigy. No, I played. No, I wasn't. But um, but like, with comedy, like you know, growing up, I would see Letterman, mm-hmm. and I just thought, well, he's he must have been the funniest kid in his class. I'm sure he was, of course, but I didn't didn't I didn't know that he that was a stand-up had written for Good Times and mm-hmm. all this stuff. Like I just thought, like, well. His friend probably runs NBC and was like, Dave was funny in high school. Let's, Let's give, give him, him the show. That's how I thought the world worked. Uh-huh. I mean, the world actually does work that way. <laughs> I mean, it, it does. You were playing a gig <laughs> at an apartment <laughs> complex in the middle of the day. And then Liz Stanton gave Well, I mean, it just, uh, life pretty much does. Like, uh, the, you have to do the work and all that. But it, Right, but you real, have to put yourself in the position. But, it, it, the, you know, it, life does kind of work in that naive way. And it really is kind of high school friend. Mm-hmm. You know, it is kind of like. Who you know. And not, not like a. But it's it is kind of, you know, uh, is that, yeah, it's a big kind of the way the thing the world works, and I'm not complaining. So, who did you know that inspired you to do a talk show? Nobody. What happened was, I just thought that would be fun to sit and talk and be silly with people, mm-hmm. and that was the first thing that I that I did. I I just did a. a in the basement of Siberia Bar, if you know what that was. That was across from Port Authority, wasn't it? Yes. And my cousin Kieran. I've been there. I was in there once when I first moved here. Yeah. He had, I, would, I just started doing stuff in the basement there. Mm-hmm. I did that a couple times. and then, But it was like an hour long. And then I was like, wait a minute. Why would I do an hour? I've never done stand-up or anything. <laughs> like, um, what am I thinking? So I kind of stopped doing that, and that's when then I started. So I did that a couple times, and mm-hmm. then, and then I started doing like, you know, the Parkside Lounge, and just kind of learning how to. And I feel like I'm still totally a novice, just learning how to do comedy. Well, then, how did you ever find yourself becoming friends with Dick Cavett? I mean, I'm a novice, but I'm not bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, well, Dick Cavett. Um, because no, you've been I, friends with him for a little while, haven't you? Have, yeah. Um, well, I think it took the, you know, the friendship wasn't immediate. But um, what happened was, you know, when I moved to New York, you know, like growing up, um, you know, uh, Joe Franklin, you know who Joe Franklin yes. is? That we would get the Joe Franklin show on cable. So we got W-O-R from Secaucus or Secaucus, right. however you say it. <laughs> Channel 9. Channel 9. So the Joe Franklin show, and even as a little kid, I recognized greatness in Joe Franklin. And then Billy Crystal would be doing him on Saturday Night Live. Right. So, you know, my friends and I were, you know, we were obsessed with all these guys. You know, Letterman, we, you know, I think like anyone, probably you and anyone we know, we thought he was talking to us. Right. Like we were like, oh, he's doing this show for me and my three friends and we're the we that's who this show is for we didn't you know we we didn't think like oh this is a show on a major <laughs> network this is a mainstream that, program know, no but to our mind he was like oh they're doing this show in new york for me and my three friends so you know we were kind of we we're obsessed with letterman of course mm-hmm. and and joe franklin and dick cavett at that point you know was really just kind of on the talks show circuit but i so I wasn't, I hadn't seen his show when it was on, but right. uh, I knew who he was and stuff, and you know, thought he was awesome, and 
and then since had been able to go back and see his, you know, clips from his shows and reruns and things like that. So anyway, when I came to New York, I thought, well, I'm in New York. I should be friends with Joe Franklin. Mm. And his number was listed. So I just called Joe Franklin and he answered. And, um, and then I just started going by his office periodically and calling him. You know, the off- it was in the movie The Aristocrats. That, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, uh, Sarah, thing, Silverman. Sarah Silverman. Shouts. By the way, I, I, maybe I'm the only one that would know this story. I mean, a lot of people, I'm sure, know it, but I would maybe be the only one uh, what story? here to tell you this. Oh, but I'm glad that you're the here. The best thing um, <laughs> with, um, with the aristocrats is, like, Joe Franklin was so mad at Sarah Silverman. Oh, yes. When I that do, happened, and he was that. like, you know, it was in the papers. Right. And he's like, I'm going to sue her. And he was so mad about it. And, like, I, you know, I remember talking to him on the phone because I would call him. I wasn't doing anything, you know, I was just like broke. And, and calling Joe Franklin kind of got me through really dark times because you, mm. like, I would call Joe Franklin and he would um, just kind of be like, hey, Dave, and, uh, and just say kind of some show and be like, can you call me back Thursday, Thursday at noon? Do you promise? Dave, do you promise? Right? Give me your phone number just so I have it close. I know I have it. I wanna. And, um, and this would be the same conversation every time I would call him. Knowing, and I would know that was what it was going to be. And it was just kind of like, he just kind of like gets you worked up mm-hmm. and tells you to call back the next time. And you do. Then he tells you to call back Tuesday at noon or whatever. So... I would, for like a couple of years, that's what I would do once a week is talk to Joe on the phone. And um, anyway, oh, so one, and one of these calls, it was around when the aristocrats came out. And he was like, hey, Dave, do you know this Sarah Silverman? And um, by then I had met Sarah a couple times, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but didn't, you know, didn't know her well or anything. And I knew I knew where it was headed because I had already <laughs> read it in the paper, like right. that he was all mad, and I'd seen the movie. So he's like, "What do you think of her?" And so I just told him what he wanted to hear. I was like, "Well, uh, Joe, she's she's very nice, very hilarious woman, but uh, sometimes she says things she shouldn't say." Because I knew that's what <laughs> he wanted to hear. Right. You know, I knew he wanted me to to be like, "Whoa, she crossed the line." Right. And he's like. He's like, exactly, you saw what she said about me in that movie. I'm like, yeah, Joe, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And then so, you know, that was that. And I just told him what he wanted to hear. And right. he hangs up. So I call back like a week or two later. And uh, and then again, he's like, Dave, do you know this Sarah Silverman? <laughs> and, uh, oh, no. and I'm like, yeah. And uh, he's like, what do you think of her? And I was like, oh, she's really nice and she's hilarious. And he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, I love her too. I tell you, ever since she talked about me in that movie, my phone's been ringing off the hook. <laughs> Best thing that ever happened to me. So it was just like, like the spin had changed right. in his mind over it. So it like, him, it took him a week to he get went, over. Yeah, it. he was so mad at Sarah for like a week, and then he was like, "Oh, I love that Sarah." So and I was like, "Yeah," you know. He so realized like the, the benefit of being put in the news cycle. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was great, and um. But yeah, and I used to have actually used to have Joe come out to like Rafifi with mm-hmm. me and stuff, and he would do stuff with me at, at comedy shows and stuff. He did Sweet with me. He did Nick's show, Nick Kroll's show, and then so anyway, you know, he had a show on Bloomberg Radio, I think, up until he died, pretty much. Yeah, and I know he was still performing regularly. I don't know what performing would be. I don't an know what I don't. I forget what outlet it was on. I think like AM radio. Oh right. And uh, yeah, so he had this show, and he mentioned that that he had had Dick Cavett on, and so I was sort of like, oh man, you know, I would love to have Dick. And I had already had Joe on my UCB on the Dave Explosion mm-hmm. show at UCB, and and so I was like, oh, I'd love to have Dick Cavett on, and um, and then so, you know, I had to call this guy and that guy, and eventually track down. Uh, Dick's assistant at the time and and he said yes like he wanted to do the show and then ended up canceling like the day of or the day before something came up and then I just hounded like every time I was doing the show like once Mm -hmm. a month or whatever I would call the assistant 
and say like, hey, and, and then would always be like, no, he can't. You know, because he's in the city. He lives in the city, but he also travels quite a bit, and he lives in Montauk part-time. And, and so he just wasn't available to do it. And then I remember finally, like, you know, I'd call him just as as part of the process of doing, you know, making a flyer, <laughs> call Dick Cavett. Can I put your name on the flyer this month? Yeah, and it was just always no, no, no. And then I remember, so Rufus Wainwright was doing the show, and then like Friday night at five or six o'clock or whatever, mm-hmm. the phone rings, and I had programmed Dick Cavett's assistant number into the phone, so it came up like Cavett, and um, I was like, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> and I answer it, and she's like, yeah, he wants to do the show. So all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I have Rufus and Dick Cavett. That's a good show. I think it was probably my favorite one that I ever did, to be honest. Uh, one of them. Or one, I don't know. Anyone with Dick Cavett was always my favorite, but those two together were really great. I mean, Dick Cavett and, and always, Gano. I mean, so many people. And you always remember great. your first time. Always remember your first time <laughs> with Cavett. But then we, you know, we ended up doing it. I think he's he's done the show, I don't even know how many times, four or five times. We did it at Sketchfest. Um, and actually, after Gordon Gano from Violent Femmes and Dick Cavett did it together, the Sketchfest, people heard about it. Mm. And like, we heard it was, you know, gangbusters. How do we do get you, in on that action? Yeah, can we get the same lineup? And I was like, <laughs> there's no way both these guys are going to do it. And then they wanted to do it. Oh. So they came out to... To San Francisco and did it, and um, I think that was when uh, I I always called him Mr. Cavett, and it's only very recently I've grown comfortable calling him Dick because he started getting mad at me for calling him Mr. Cavett. <laughs> but anyway, I remember we we were, did Cobbs that night mm-hmm. in San Francisco in San Francisco at Sketchfest, and we were coming off stage at the end of the night, and he says to me, he's like. I think we gave him a good one out there tonight, huh? And like, like he was talking to me as a peer, as a right. friend, like for the I think the first time in the time that I had known him. And I was like, oh, I feel like we've we've hit a new level. So we've since, you know, he's since, you know, had me out to the house in Montauk. We've dined together and things like that. It's never enough, <laughs> Cavett, for me. Oh. But um, that's good for both sides. It but I mean, leaves you wanting more. Yeah, and he'll he'll uh, you know just the fact to, to know uh, just to to wake up and have a random email from mm-hmm. Dick Cavett um, emails that I can't even repeat, <laughs> and I wish I could. Um, as just I feel like if nothing else happens in my life, uh, I, I've, 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 I'm successful beyond my wildest dreams. That he uh, likes what I do. And, you know, he said, and then I'll wrap up the Cavett, <laughs> unless you have further Cavett-based questions. But uh, he, you know, he had a, bo- a great book out um, last year, I guess. Is it? Maybe it was this year. I don't remember. But all his books are great. You should get all of them. And the Brief Encounters book that came out, he did an interview in the Times, a uh, book review, and he, they asked him, like, who his favorite comedy writers were mm. and he was uh, I don't know if he'd been drinking or what <laughs> but he mentioned me among mm-hmm. all these people I'm not worthy of being mentioned in the same breath as and uh, and then went on to an- mention me in the answer to another question so that w- was just the greatest thing ever and um, and I thought I was like oh man my dad will finally be proud of me you know, so I called my dad. I talked to my sister. I'm like, did dad see the times? You know, make sure he reads, mm-hmm. gets it. And so I called my dad a few days later. I'm like, dad, did you see the times? That interview with Dick Cavett. And he's like, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, now, does he ever talk to you about your profanity? <laughs> like, does he ever? And I'm like, what? And he's like, well, I just think you swear too much in your book and, like, mm. you know, in your act. And I just think, like, he is a classy guy. Like, he could maybe talk some sense into you. Because I think uh, it's not very good when you mm. do that. So <laughs> I didn't really get the reaction I wanted. But, you know, that's all right. 
It showed that it showed that he still cared. He still cares. That's he still all cares. he cares for. He cares about his boy. Mm-hmm. Now, did um, has has Dick Cavett ever been to a fancy meeting you here? He has not. Ah. Um, fancy that, meeting you are being. That might that might give up the uh, give up the jig if he showed up. I mean, well, I would love to have him attend. Um, you know what? I'm going to invite him. All right. We're doing one, I believe, November 20th. And so I'll invite him and see All if right. he comes. I don't think... Maybe he would even do it. I don't even know if he would. Maybe he would. I'm sure he would have some insightful things to say about the Met. You've given me a... I'm going to go ahead and, and just... I'm going to ask him to do it. All right. Why not? Why not? All he, you know, he can say no if he wants. And uh, for those of you who haven't been... Fancy Meeting You Here is a lovely tour of the Metropolitan Museum of Art that uh, my guest, Mr. Dave Hill and Carl Arnheider, yes. provide. Carl's the brains behind the operation. I'm just the, the face. Oh, okay. No, I'm not even the <laughs> face. I'm just riding his coattails. <laughs> How has it changed since the first time you did it? Not at all. Oh. Um, no. <laughs> no, I think it's... um. I mean, it's it's a fun show. You know, we get a handful of comedians and give them very little guidelines, really, mm-hmm. to give a presentation on something in the museum, an exhibit or whatever. And, you know, it, the people do things that are just all, you know, people kind of come up with their own take on it, which is exciting. And it's one of those things where I think, you know, when when we're doing it, I'm like, oh, this is a cool thing about living in New York that this sort of thing happens. You know, because we're at um, at the Met. You know, the right. great what, what maybe the great one of the greatest art museums in the world. Like, is it the greatest? I don't know. Who's um, to say? Who's to say? One of them. I guess we can. Let's. It would not <laughs> definitely be, one of them. It would not be crazy to say it's the. It's greatest. on the list. Yeah, it's on the list. Um, and so we're there, and um. Just um, being silly and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's fun. You know, the audience feels like they're in on this sort of silly thing, and uh, and you're, you know, it's a nice Friday night in New York. Bring a date, grab a drink after. My only complaint about the show, I would say, is that the bar, the rooftop bar mm. at the Met, does not stay open late enough after the show, mm. and we're on the Upper East Side, so there's not. V- to get to a good bar from where we are is not the easy. It's not like you walk across the street. You got to like a good right. 10, 15 minute walk to for the after it. party. Yeah, so that's be my only complaint. Well, that's something to work on for twenty sixteen. But it's fun. I mean, you know, I hopefully uh, we've been you know trying to take the show to the next level and and find some other avenues for showbiz in show business. Mm. Well, you have you have gone to other museums. We have. We've done it at uh, we've done it at Sketchfest at the Asia Asian Museum, Asian Art Museum, whatever the hell it's called. Mm. The stuff with all the Asian stuff. The one that in one, San Francisco. In San Francisco. And then we've done that a couple times, and that's a beautiful museum. We've done it at the Jewish Museum in San Francisco, which I didn't think was going to work, and then that ended up working really well, mm-hmm. just because I thought it would be kind of limiting. And a little too Jewy between you and me. <laughs> no, uh, it was really fun. That was a really fun show. And then, um, and then we've done it. The best shows I have to say are in London because they people come out like mother. Can I swear on yeah, that? I mean, people come out like motherfuckers. I mean, I'm not your London. dad, so. And yeah, I know. But, like, but I, as on like behalf of your dad, I do want to say your profanity. Really? Yeah, it's a bit much. Yeah, it's a bit. But much. like in London, we've done it at the British Museum, the National Gallery, the Tate Modern, and it's like two hundred people coming out, and it's overwhelming. It's too many people, to be honest. Hmm. I mean, lo- again, luxury problem. Right. But um, right, because the museum's only so big. Yeah, and you have you to can't yell. Take it over. You have to yell when there's more than like fifty people. Right. Because you turn your head in a museum, and you can't hear the person, so it's, it gets a bit tricky. Right, and it's and kind of know, like a library. You don't want to yell and. And not everyone's it. had the stage training that I've had <laughs> that I've never had. To enunciate. Should, yeah. Mm. Well, I don't enunciate as you as anyone knows has heard me speak. Well, I'd be rem- I'd be remiss if I didn't also ask you about uh, the goddamn. 
Dave Hill show on yeah, WFMU. Speaking of profanity. Which you started doing when? When did you take over that time slot? Um, It'll be, I think it's like January. It'll be two years in January, I so think. So January of 14. So about a year and nine months I've been doing it. And um, again, I feel like a novice. And uh, I'm sure my list, at least some of the listeners would agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I say that about comedy. And radio, I think with anything. What is it Jerry Seinfeld said with comedy? Like 25 years or 20 years that you finally are starting to figure it out? Yes. Or something? Jerry Seinfeld in the documentary Comedian compared it your comedy age to your actual age. So if mm-hmm. you've been doing it for 20 years, you're, you're still only like a 20-year-old. Yeah, that's, you're still how learning I, yourself. that's how I feel about that. And then with radio, that's a whole other thing. I mean, I think it took me a year to figure out how to work the board and then now I'm kind of like what do I do for three hours you know (laughs) why would anyone I mean the question I think well you know I'm you know I think there's no matter what I do there's I know I'm not for everybody well it's not the best show it's the goddamn Dave Hill show meaning the best Tom (laughs) Sharpling show well yeah Tom and I'll you know I'm a huge fan of that show and I was I was and am uh, a huge fan of that show and so yeah Tom was leaving and that slot opened up and um, I can tell you a funny story please So bring us home with a funny story bring you home with a funny story are we, are we, we're, are we we're plowing through the hour we're, probably we're, with my long winded tales well the show is a half hour so yeah we plowed through oh my through god the hour. so you'll edit it down <laughs> to all kill or no filler <laughs> Um, so what happened was, so I got the email, um, I think I can tell this story, it's an exclusive, I don't know if I've told this anywhere before, but, um, I got the email, you know, Ken, station manager Ken at WFMU is like, hey, uh, and he, you know, he has his show and then Mm -hmm. he has seven second delay and, um, and so, and I've done, done his show and I'd been on best show and I'd been on some other shows there with my band and things like that. And uh, so he emails me. He's like, hey, you know, Tom's leaving. Um, I don't even know if it had been. I don't think it had been announced yet that he was leaving. And he's like, Do, would you want that time slot? You know. Mm-hmm. So and it wasn't, you know, I think people initially were like, you know, had it in their heads like I like like I was taking over someone taking over the Tonight Show. I right. wasn't. It was just like some radio real estate opened up, you know, and they needed to put a new show in there. I wasn't like taking over. Obviously, you weren't gunning for it. No. So and obviously the best show continued and is still uh, the best show. Mm-hmm. And um, so so, but I got the email and I was like. I was like, oh man, they must have emailed. Like, how many people said no already to this? You know, like, why are they emailing me? You know, they must have asked like 700 people before they got to Dave Hill on the list to give like this, you know, this time slot that mm-hmm. has been home to the most popular show on the station and, you know, one of the most successful shows in independent, whatever, free form rate, whatever you want to call it. Right. And um, so and so that that was sort of a, a joke, I would say, though I half sort of did think like, yeah, they must have asked a shitload of other people before they asked me. And then so I would say like any time, you know, when I first started the show, I'd be like, yeah, they must have asked. I don't know who said no, but I got the show. And um, and then I was doing it, uh, some another podcast somewhere else mm-hmm. where someone actually had been at WFMU mm-hmm. and was like, I don't want to out this person. And they were like, you know, I was actually the one that suggested you for <laughs> to take over that time slot. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Thanks. I was wondering how it came together. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I and then I made the joke like, oh, I figured they must have asked a million people to do it before they got down to me on the list. And then they, the person said, no, just two. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and they told me who the two people were, and they were like kind of uh, made way more sense than than it would be to have offered me. So I wasn't offended. But at the same time, I was kind of like, 
wow, I wish I didn't know that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, it's I, one I, thing when it's a joke. Yeah, it's like a lot a, of people, and then oh, two. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, those two. And, and those, oh. yeah, like, oh, and I know two. the guys; they're friends of mine and stuff. You know, so I was like, oh wow, God, I wish I didn't make that joke, and I wish you would have taken it as not <laughs> something that should be addressed in the room right then. <laughs> no, no. You these should... two people could have been doing it. <laughs> yeah, they said no, so then we called you, Dave. So you were the third choice. Well, you were my first choice to talk to tonight. Of, so, of Dave Hills. So thank you. Thank for, you. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. As I hope I didn't... This is my, you know, anything I do in life, whether it be ordering this coffee mm-hmm. before I came here, to this podcast. I always think I ruined whatever the thing is. So I hope I didn't ruin your podcast. It's just the Cleveland in me coming out. Oh. This is how I go through life. You should be more less Cleveland and more King of Miami. I should. More I hit know. show King you know, of Miami. When the red light goes on, that's the Dave Hill people get. <laughs> but you know Well, next time you're here, I'll make sure we have a red light for you. Well, there are you know, as I say this, there are four light red lights right in front of me. So but you know, yeah, I think like any anyone in 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 the arts, yeah. I sort of live somewhere in between uh, crippling, self-loathing, and and then uh, way more confidence than I have a right to have, and and there's, so and there's a little window where I get stuff done. So, well, thanks for letting. So it's not all bad news. <laughs> thanks for just letting most me. of it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for letting me in your window. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's probably you should probably say that at the end of every show, and then people that'll be your you can be. Thanks for letting me in your window. <laughs> it sounds a little creepy, to be honest. Thanks for letting. But me But I in did your set you up for that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, thank you. No, thank you. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.